0: Welcome to Industry Focus,
1: the podcast
0: that dives into a different sector of the stock market each day. I'm your host, Emily Flippin. I'm Jason Moser. I'm Nick Seipel. I'm Dylan Lewis. And today we're talking financials. Today we're talking consumer goods. Wild Card Wednesday. And we're talking energy. And today we're talking tech. Let's dive in. It's Wednesday, June 23rd. I'm your host, Jason Moser. And on this week's Wild Card Wednesday show, we're talking 5G with a special guest, Rajat Prakash is the principal engineer with the Wireless Research and Development Group at Qualcomm, where his current work focuses on 5G-enabled industrial IoT and virtualized radio access network technologies. Recently, I had the opportunity to chat with Rajat about Qualcomm's investments in 5G, the areas he's most excited about in the space today, and much more. We hope you enjoy our conversation. Okay, Rajat, if you could, first and foremost, just give us a little background on What led you to Qualcomm? You've been in Qualcomm for quite some time. What, you know, give us a little bit about your background. What led you to Qualcomm and and what have you been working on recently there?
1: Thank you, Jason. So um, I did my uh, PhD in communications engineering uh, in uh, in the University of Illinois at Urbana-Champaign. And at that time, and even to this day, Qualcomm is the leading company in that area. And I joined the research department uh, in Qualcomm uh, for wireless research. So coming out of uh, grad school with my research background in wireless engineering, that was a very good fit. And uh, how I got here, I worked on a a bunch of projects when I started at Qualcomm, starting with uh, uh, OFDMA, which was the new emerging technology in uh, the early 2000s. And I worked on OFDMA, then going on to LTE, going on to small cells, and then finally ending up in 5G. Uh, Especially in 5G, I look at some of the emerging applications of 5G outside of your typical smartphone application, including some of the things uh, I'd like to talk with you today about, uh, including uh, verticals, industrial applications, uh, logistics, and so on.
0: Yeah, that's great. I'm I'm glad you you said 5G because that really is that's really what we're here to talk about today. Um, It's just such a fascinating uh, time. And, and I, I know that, that some folks really they feel like five G is here. It's kind of like flipping a switch. And we we've been talking about how it's really going to be a it's going to be a process, right? This is going to be something that rolls out over several years as we discover new capabilities. But but what are some of the what are some of the capabilities some of the new capabilities of five G that you're working on today? And, and, and what do they mean in practical terms? What are they, the types of things that we could maybe understand or see in our in our uh, everyday activities?
1: Sure, so I'm working on uh, the two specific areas within 5G. One of them is the application of 5G to the emerging vertical applications. And these vertical applications include uh, manufacturing, factory of the future, logistics, warehousing, uh, and other applications which demand uh, mission-critical services, low latency, high reliability, and so on. Uh, and that's a very exciting area. We have a lot of uh, interest from the users of 5G, who are not your typical cellular technology users, but uh, emerging verticals. So that's a pretty exciting area I work in. And another exciting area I work in is uh, about uh, how to evolve the network topology itself uh, to go beyond your typical uh, unified base station and to evolve the network into a different type of uh, topology, what is called RAN disaggregation or open RAN. So those are the two areas I specialize in uh, in my work at Qualcomm. So of all of that, I mean, what, what, what's what's the research
0: that you find the most exciting? I mean, what, what is it that you're, you're really excited about these days?
1: So the research I find the most exciting is to really take 5G to the level where some of these vertical applications users, in particular, the manufacturing industry who have very demanding requirements. So uh, to do research to satisfy their demanding requirements the most demanding one being reliability or availability. The demanding requirement we are talking about here is uh, talked about in terms of five nines or six nines of availability. This is something uh, quite new for the cellular industry and for 5G. In 4G, nobody really talked about that kind of demanding requirement. And from a research perspective, the kind of technologies we can apply to meet that level of reliability is a pretty exciting area of research and in fact, it's pretty good to see uh, today that is moving from research into practice. There are technology trials, there are pre-commercial activities in that space. So that has been a pretty exciting journey uh, for me as part of this 5G research.
0: Yeah, well, I'm, I'm glad you brought that up. The The, the reliability, I think, the, the, mm-hmm. the connectivity, the reliability, the, the pervasive network, right? Where we where it's mm-hmm. everywhere, we're, we're still working to get there. And, and, and I mean, I, I, Qualcomm is gonna be an important Uh, piece of that puzzle I feel like um, Mm -hmm. in in expanding that connectivity to more people, more homes. Um, Mm -hmm. What are some of the things that you all there at Qualcomm are doing uh, in order to to help address and expand connectivity to be able to get that wide reaching pervasive network that we really need to see uh, for 5G -hmm. to be able to take full
1: hold? So there are... um... To get connectivity everywhere, you need a bunch of technologies to come together. So uh, if we look at millimeter wave specifically, we're uh, getting millimeter wave connectivity to be universally applicable all places uh, in the operator's coverage area that has typically been challenging. So one of the technologies we work on for millimeter wave connectivity specifically is uh, repeaters and relays. So you don't need to install a base station close to every customer. You can install a base station and then have a repeater or a relay which propagates that signal further to where the customer is. And this can apply whether the customer is a smartphone customer or a fixed wireless customer, which is a very important emerging application these days because of uh, uh, the restrictions and so on. So uh, fixed wireless access for residences and uh, also millimeter wave access in general via repeaters and relays is one important area of technology to get um, connectivity everywhere. Um, Another important uh, way to get connectivity everywhere is uh, to have more uh, of the massive MIMO technology. So if you have one base station, typically it had four antennas, eight antennas, it would be able to serve a limited number of users in a given slot. But with Massive MIMO, with one uh, base station with 64 antennas, 256 antennas, and with the higher bands, those antennas don't have to be that big either. You would be able to serve a lot more users in the same slot. So that also helps get connectivity to more people who need it. Uh, So these are two technologies, the repeaters, Massive MIMO, uh, millimeter wave in general, which are relatively mature. So they have... uh, The research is pretty mature and deployments are already happening. People are already seeing the benefits. Uh, If we look at uh, some areas which are still more in the research phase, deployments will happen um, in the next two years or three years. So satellite is an interesting area. 3GPP uh, is developing the standard towards satellite. And when you talk about connectivity really at a global and universal level, satellite is one of the building blocks to get there. So that's something customers should start seeing the benefit of uh, down the line.
0: Yeah, so yeah, let's, let's talk about satellite for a minute because I've had mm-hmm. some questions before regarding satellite because we've seen companies mm-hmm. like Amazon and uh, SpaceX and even, even you know some rumors that Apple might even be mm-hmm. looking into into possible satellite uh, opportunities there. Mm-hmm. Uh, is, I mean, a is satellite, is, is that a market opportunity that you feel like is is really could be something
1: meaningful for a company like Qualcomm? Uh, So yeah, definitely the opportunity is big. And the reason I say that is when the opportunity happens via 5G as a standardized solution, it really is designed to work in a smartphone which a typical customer is using, as opposed to some of the previous users of satellite, which are maybe for fixed uh, fixed equipment or ground stations. And they are not really uh, designed to scale as a standardized 5G solution uh, could potentially scale. So I think that's really the opportunity which comes to us with the 5G standardized solution, where it could be part of smartphones and a lot more people could benefit from it.
0: And when you were talking about the millimeter wave,
1: understanding Mm -hmm. that that really
0: is for uh, dense areas where you're connecting Mm -hmm. very short distances. I mean, that sounds like that's really that small cell technology, Mm -hmm. is that right?
1: Right. So I think it's a little bit a matter of terminology. So for millimeter wave, the coverage area of the cell is small, but most people, they don't like to call it a small cell uh, just in terms of nomenclature. (laughs) Everybody Uh, gets bigger. (laughs) Yeah. I guess the reason, uh, maybe one reason is it's offering you multiple gigabits of throughput and calling it a small cell might uh, not be the best naming in that sense.
0: Right. That's understandable. Um, Well, so one of the other things I find fascinating with 5G, and this really um, sort of, uh, it it leaks its way into another service that I run here Mm -hmm. uh, that focuses on immersive technology, augmented reality, Mm -hmm. virtual reality, extended Mm -hmm. reality. Uh, 5G being a key technology really to to helping immersive technology take that next leap, right? Make that Mm -hmm. next step into the consumer's uh, everyday lives, but when we look at technologies like AR and VR, uh, mm-hmm. artificial intelligence, I think is another one that a lot of folks are really interested in. What, how, how do 5G and, and something like artificial intelligence, for example, connect? I mean, how do those how do those two technologies work together?
1: So, there are two parts to how artificial intelligence and 5G connect. One part is the role of artificial intelligence in making 5G service better. So whether you are watching uh, video streaming or you are just uh, web browsing. So uh, artificial intelligence has a role to play in making the 5G service itself better. And that shows up as uh, network optimization tools or connectivity service improvement tools. Operators are able to collect a lot of data from their base stations, from the handsets, from the core network equipment, and when the operators, uh, and these are your typical operators who have been providing a service for many years, when they collect more data, they are able to make their service uh, better. For example, identification of coverage holes, adjusting the pointing and tilting of the base station antennas to reach the signal to the place where it's needed. So that's the, let's say, insider view of 5G, how artificial intelligence might might improve 5G service. It's a pretty big uh, area in itself. And I think uh, the other part is artificial intelligence as applied to consumer facing applications, whether it's a speech recognition, image recognition, role of artificial intelligence in uh, virtual reality. So in those applications, the lowering of latency and the increasing of throughput, which 5G brings, that really is uh, very important. So for example, you could think of uh, uh, some services which till a few years ago sounded futuristic. For example, you go to a restaurant in Italy and the guy is speaking Italian and can you have real-time translation? <laughs> and that's something within uh, reach right now. Uh, and that's where the 5G high throughput, low latency is able to connect you to some backend services which are in the cloud. So artificial intelligence, uh, i guess i would say it becomes much more accessible to the customer once you are uh, reaching those services via a 5g link which has low latency and high throughput so yeah it really brings it uh, uh, to scale and to to the end user
0: that's that's fascinating you know i Given the nature of your job, um, Mm -hmm. I think you'd be very, very uh, able to answer this next question. But given, so when we look at some companies and we look at at, um, companies that are maybe young and and developing and growing and and research and development is a big expense, um, Mm -hmm. and it's understandable why companies have to invest in that research and development. And we think at some point, they'll be able to pull back on that R&D and realize a little bit more profitability along the way. With a company like Qualcomm, though, it strikes me, that you all have to just constantly spin that wheel of innovation, that, that research and development. I don't know that it's realistic to really feel like it, it ever will end. I mean, in, in your own experience, I mean, how important is R&D to a company like Qualcomm? Because to me, at least my, my understanding, it, it looks from the outside that R&D really is the lifeblood of a company like Qualcomm.
1: Yeah, so definitely that's a accurate assessment. So inside Qualcomm, we are really focused on R&D and in our external messaging, we try to highlight the R&D we do. And uh, if you look at the history of uh, this industry, uh, I guess the wireless services industry, uh, R&D has been really the engine of this uh, industry going back to uh, CDMA 2000, then came 3G, then 4G, and then 5G. So R&D is really what drives all this, uh, especially within Qualcomm. The way we like to approach R&D is to look ahead, try to play with things in the lab, try to prove out things in our test networks, and uh, that's uh, and then mix that with some design simulations and uh, having a full system view. So I definitely think that there is a lot of runway left for R&D also. Uh, so as we go into 5G and 5G right now is entering, let's say it's middle phase, the early phase is coming to an end, and there is still a lot of R&D left to be done In making the sort of true promise of 5G realized for consumers, whether the consumer is your, uh, let's say, customer, uh, consumer applications, or whether it's the verticals who uh, probably in the second phase of 5G, the verticals will be seeing a lot more benefits and R&D is sort of the engine which will be driving all that. Yeah, yeah, that makes sense.
0: Uh, it, it, based on, on uh, what you're talking about a little bit earlier, it sounds like you have a lot, uh, you've done a lot of work uh, in regard to 5G in the industry and manufacturing and the enterprise. Uh, mm-hmm. it, it, and that's that's something we we talk about a lot, uh, particularly as this digital economy continues to grow. Mm-hmm. What, what do you feel like some of the biggest challenges or the biggest struggles with 5G and the enterprise are today?
1: So I think the biggest, uh, Struggle is that it's a new player, that people in the enterprise who will ultimately be using 5G, they are not accustomed to using cellular family of technologies, at least for their uh, operations where 5G is anticipated to play a role going forward. So there a, is, let's say, a gap in terms of us on the 5G technology side explaining to the customer what 5G can do. Uh, so that's a process. I think it has gotten off to a very good start. There are various organizations coming up. For example, 5G ACIA is an organization trying to connect the 5G ecosystem with the manufacturing ecosystem. So there's a lot of uh, connecting people, speaking the right language, understanding the use case and trying to really fit the technology and then achieve scale within those industries. So that's the process which has started. Pro- I would say that's probably the, biggest challenge in terms of uh, just reaching all the people in those verticals there are also technology challenges but those I think we have a good handle on them at least (laughs) maybe once we reach uh, let's say hundreds and thousands of deployments in the manufacturing sector we might uncover we left we missed something but at least I'm confident that uh, we have the basic solution ready
0: yeah, yeah, I, th- I think all that R and D continues to pay off. <laughs> yeah. um, uh, you know, one, one uh, theme to to five G. I think a lot of folks when they when they hear five G, uh, they probably think of something like a Verizon or an AT and T because of the commercials they see on TV right? Mm-hmm. Mobile. They're all telling you, hey, 5G is available now. You can get mm-hmm. it on your phone. And, th- and that's that's the extent I think a lot of folks think of when they think of 5G. But also there's there's a big opportunity in private 5G networks, particularly, mm-hmm. I mean, industrial enterprise. I mean, I'm sure that you've at least thought about that or, or discussed that mm-hmm. with your colleagues there. But is, is that an area where Qualcomm is, is participating? or Are you part of that
1: private 5G network opportunity? So the private 5G network opportunity is, uh, I guess it's essential for that to be realized to get the true benefits of some of the uh, capabilities of 5G. So if 5G were to uh, really enable new use cases in manufacturing, it uh, pretty much has to be via a private network path. And the way Qualcomm uh, uh, participates in that is... uh, if there is a private network, of course, people need handsets, modems, which is something we do, uh, whether it's a modem which goes into your base station, whether it's a modem which goes into your uh, terminal, whether it's a low-energy processor for robotics. So Qualcomm is uh, part of that opportunity in many ways. Right, And we do uh, encourage private networks to uh, uh, reach scale. And I think right now, looking at... Uh, different continents, what's going on and how regulators are reacting to private network, how the verticals are addressing the opportunity. Uh, We are pretty optimistic that this private network opportunity will get realized.
0: Yeah. Yeah. It sounds like it. Um, okay. Listen, I don't want to take up too much of your time, but there's one mm-hmm. final question I wanted to, to, to ask because mm-hmm. I think it started out as a little bit of a joke when we first started talking about investing mm-hmm. in 5G uh, mm-hmm. because we go 1G, 2G, 3G, 4G, <laughs> 5G. Uh, and, and people think we're kidding when we say that 6G is actually happening. Um, but, but the reality is that, that 6G is a thing. 6G is being worked on. Um, I I have to believe it really is just in its infancy. But is Mm -hmm. there anything that you can share with us in regard to 6G? I mean, is that a real thing? And if so, Mm -hmm. uh, are you at Qualcomm working on it?
1: So yeah, definitely. uh, The research side, we are working on 6G. And there are some industry organizations getting formed, including participation from governments, participation from universities. And there is a lot of throwing around of different ideas. Uh, One of the themes emerging in 6G is the convergence of the physical and digital worlds. So where you are not just getting communication, but somehow the service is more closely tied to what's around you. So it's more aware of your surroundings and that's a theme uh, most of the participating players in 6G research talk about. So yeah, a very exciting future ahead as 5G evolves into 6G. Well, I can't
0: wait to see what the future holds. Mm. It it's just seems like it changes so quickly.
1: Mm-hmm. Uh, but
0: Rajat Prakash, Principal Engineer with Wireless R&D Group at Qualcomm, thank you so much for taking the time to speak with us today and share your expertise. Thank you very much. And that's going to do it for us this week, folks. Remember, you can always reach out to us on Twitter at MFIndustryFocus or drop us an email at industryfocus at fool.com. As always, people on the program may have interest in the stocks they talk about, or The Motley Fool may have formal recommendations for or against, so don't buy or sell stocks based solely on what you hear. Thanks as always to Tim Sparks for putting the show together for us. I'm Jason Moser, thanks for listening, and we'll see you next week.